Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Alongside Danny Mac, I am Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Dan, how you doing today, my man? I am doing great. Uh, the Hall of Fame voting has come and gone. I think we'll get into that. We can get into the Wong market. We can get into the Yachty market. We can talk about the Blues and Jordan Bennington with 42 saves. Mm-hmm. Stop two or three in the shootout. But BK, I want to go with the Hall of Fame voting. Okay. Scott Rowland, he gets 52.9%. Okay, now you you say and I thought he would get maybe 60 to 65 percent, which maybe was too aggressive. That's okay, But he crosses the 50 percent mark. And that is the key. Looking this up, the only players who have gotten at least 50 percent and not in the Hall of Fame, Gil Hodges, Kurt Schilling, who's not going to the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, not going to the Hall of Fame, Roger Clemens, not going to the Hall of Fame, Omar Vizquel. And now Scott Rowland, who does not have anything associated with him. So, in my opinion, Scott Rowland is headed to the Hall of Fame. It's going to happen. I think it's an inevitability at this point, Dan. We're going to see Scott Rowland in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Last night was a big night for him. I will say I was a little disappointed. Given what the public ballot showed... I thought he would get even a little bit higher. Now, it doesn't matter. He wasn't going to get in, and really it's semantics between 50 and 70%, right? But I was hoping to see him a little closer to that 60%, but in the end of the, at the end of the day, he's going to get in, whether it be next year, two years from now, whenever. It's going to happen for Scott Rowland, and so you have to be happy for him. Now, here's the thing that I, I don't know if this struck you, but 14 blank ballots... <laughs> Uh, submitted by the writers. And I don't blame the writers. I've done a lot of thinking about this last night, and I don't know if you agree with this, but there there just has to be, starting right now, if I was the Hall of Fame and I'm Major League Baseball and those that, that come into this decision-making process, I'm saying to myself, there has got to be better guidelines going forward and starting today. There cannot be gray area. And that's what's being left to the writers to figure out in this gray area should a Kurt Schilling get in? Do we allow steroid guys? Um, and, and I got a problem with that. And I again, I don't blame the writers. I think the, the writers have been put in a really tough spot to where others have said, okay, here's the guidelines. Yeah, it's a really gray area, but go for it. That's not fair to them. And so I, going forward, I just think that we need to take a step back, set the guidelines, make it black and white, no gray, and figure it out from there. Listen, the the Pro Football Hall of Fame is not exactly like this bastion of glory that I can point to. However, they do one thing that I think is really smart. They tell the selectors, do not take anything into account other than what you saw from these players on the field. Do they always do that? No, there's other things that come into account because they're human beings. And so we see something like the Terrell Owen situation where people are talking about how he was as a teammate or whatever, and they can kind of tangentially relate it to what happened on the field. But we need something like that in baseball now because Kurt Schilling is the face of what is taking place right now. He is basically tweeting himself out of the Hall of Fame. 
This will not be the last time that this happens. Now that we have social media and these players are going to be as accessible as they've ever been, not only now, but moving forward, there's going to be somebody else in the future, probably multiple somebodies that get into a situation similar to Kurt Schilling. And Dan, I can't stand the man. But it shouldn't matter how my personal feelings are about Kurt Schilling. I watched him pitched. You watched him pitched. He's one of the best postseason pitchers we've ever seen. He's a Hall of Famer by any metric in terms of the baseball player that we saw. But people are taking too much into account what he's done off of the field. And now that's going to prevent him from making the Hall of Fame. And that to me is a shame. And the other part of this too, BK, is that you know the steroid guys now are going to start coming off the ballot so we know that is going to happen and yet you have and and a lot of the writers are saying i can't vote for a steroid guy understood that's their prerogative but yet you have bud selig who's in who was the commissioner of the steroid era so that is something to think about moving forward when you consider these guys and you think about contributions to the game so marvin miller is going to go in next year which he should have been in decades ago, in my opinion, for what he's done for the game of baseball. Why is Tommy John not in? Why is Kurt Flood not in? They changed the game. Their contributions have changed how we look at the sport. So that's something to think about, I think, going forward as they start to really um, dive into this. And again, these guys are going to come off the ballot, which again, to the case of Scott Rowland, opens up more votes for him. And there's nothing negative associated with him he's a guy that played hard he's got the numbers he's going to continue to jump up the trajectory is there so that's how i look at it after i watched last night and with the amount of blank ballots i thought boy they've got to reassess how they give the guidelines to the writers again don't fault the writers i think you just have to fault how the process is being laid out for them i i will disagree with this one thing dan the 14 ballots that were blank there's no explanation for why you don't include scott Rowland on your ballot There's none. There is nothing on the field, off the field that would take him off of a ballot. He is a Hall of Famer. He's going to get in. We know how this is going to go. And we can point to all of these different statistics of historical references that indicate he's getting in. I was talking with Tanner this morning and he was like, I just don't understand. Like, why? Why do we do this where? His numbers aren't changing his baseball. The back of his baseball card isn't going to be different next year than it was this year. Why are we waiting one, two, three years from now to decide? Oh, actually, you know what? Scott Rowland, better baseball player than I thought. We we have all of the information there. It is at our disposal. So those 14 ballots that were blank. Why was he not on those? I can listen to the arguments, even if I disagree with them about Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire in the past, Simi Sosa, Kurt Schilling even. I can listen to the discussions that surround those players and I understand the moral dilemma, even again, if I disagree with it. There is no moral dilemma with Scott Rowland, and so I have a really tough time with that one. How did you feel about Jeff Kent on a couple of the ballots getting the only vote? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Jeff Kent, yeah, I can make a case for him being a Hall of Famer, um, I also could make a case of Scott Rowland, Omar Vizquel, others that are in that group and in that era that are not associated with steroids, and yet Kent is the guy that gets the vote. Billy Wagner would be another one. So to your point, I, I understand it, but I'll go back to the original point of our conversation. Give them guidelines and let them dictate from those guidelines. Make it black and white, no gray. And Omar Omar Vizquel is another one that is being hurt by some yes. pretty horrible accusations and allegations. 
and we don't have to get into those right now. However, this is another situation where if I'm a writer, what do I do here, Dan? You know, if, if I'm looking at my Hall of Fame ballot and I think Omar Vizquel for what he did on the field, if I'm in this situation, if I thought he was a Hall of Famer, shouldn't I still be voting for him? There's a there's a dilemma there now. And so it needs to be cleared up for the writers. It needs to be easier to predetermine which one of these guys can and should get into the Hall of Fame based on who they were as players. And I I hate that we are now at a place where we can say with a lot of certainty Clemens not going to get in. Barry Bonds not going to get in. Kurt Schilling, I don't believe, is going to get in now. Those were some of the best baseball players that I saw in the late 90s and early 2000s. The fact that the players of my childhood are not going to have a place in the Baseball Hall of Fame, I get that there's stuff surrounding them that prevents that. It just it makes me sick that that's going yeah. to be the case. Yeah, we'll get more into that later in the show. We're going to talk about the Wong market maybe taking shape. Also, the Yachty market maybe taking shape. And the Blues behind Jordan Bennington get a huge win last night in Vegas. Coming up next, we're going to talk it over with Matt Holliday, the guy that I think is going to be next in the line. Speaking of Hall of Fame, Cardinals Hall of Fame. Very good shot to get into the Cardinals Hall of Fame and probably should. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Holiday fighting back tears in what could be his final plate appearance for the St. Louis Cardinals. Holiday out to deep right. Yes, yes, yes. He did it in what could be his final plate appearance in St. Louis. That opposite field home run. Unbelievable. I love that uh, moment for Matt Holiday. Welcome back to the show. And along with BK, I'm Danny Mack, and we're going to visit with Matt Holiday coming up. He was on the line, and then we got disconnected, so we'll bring him back in. But uh, for my money, when I think of the great moments in Holiday's Cardinal career, which did include a championship, BK, the only thing that ruined it, by the way, was that he actually hit the next day and got a base hit. So the whole call was ruined. <laughs> I'd say it's one of your best calls and certainly one of Matt Holiday's best moments. With Danny Mac, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac show with BK. It sounds like we do have Matt Holiday back on the line. Former Cardinals outfielder joining us here on the show. Matt, we always appreciate the time. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing really well. So let's start with this. Last night, the big news in baseball, of course, was the announcement of the Hall of Fame, that there will be nobody going in this year. I am curious because you've gone up against a lot of these guys, Matt. When you see that happen, what was your reaction to none of those players being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame this year? Well, I I think it's frustrating. You know, I think it's... um... When I when I look at the ballot and and I actually had a guy reach out to me uh, that does this, I think he sends them out to a lot of former players and asks them to fill out ballots, and then he kind of just formulates the numbers. I think just for fun. Um, but I, I I easily found ten guys on on that list that I thought were Hall of Famers and voted for I think ten and probably had a couple that uh, I probably would vote for if I had twelve spots. So. 
Um, I, I think that, that sometimes uh, when you look at the criteria, and I, I was listening to you guys' this show before I came on, and, and sometimes they talk about, well, he's not a first-time Hall of Fame ballot player, but he might be in year three or four. I don't understand that. Like, I think if a guy had a Hall of Fame-worthy career, then vote for him. And I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, you talk about guys like, like you're talking about Scott Rowland or, or uh, you know, Billy Wagner, or some of these guys that I played against that were dominant or Andrew Jones or some of these guys that you get a chance to play in and you talk to think about, did they have a 10 year run in major league baseball where they were dominant, where they were, you know, top of their game players. And to me, that's a hall of famer. And so I don't understand that. I think if you're a Hall of Fame player, it doesn't matter what year you're on the ballot. You know, a guy like Todd Helton, who I played with, uh, for for a long time, Todd Helton was a top ten type player in major leagues, and that's a Hall of Famer to me. And I, I think sometimes uh, the writers or, or the voters, they get caught up in, in personal stuff or they get caught up on what year they go in or, or you know, they just put too much into it other than looking at the guy's career and saying, was this a Hall of Fame player? And, and vote for him. And then, you know, you've got these guys leaving empty ballots and trying to make these statements. And to me, I, I don't like that at all. I don't, I don't think that that's what the Hall of Fame should be about. Totally agree. And, and Matt, I, I'm curious, by the way, great to hear your voice. Hope you guys are doing well and safe and healthy. Um, I, I'm really curious about what you think about the splits when, you know, I was watching, uh, I guess it was MLB Network last night, and somebody said, well, I can't vote for Helton because of his splits at Coors Field. Y- you've been there. You've done it. Do you think it's – I don't think it's fair to uh, hold a guy back because he was either drafted by the Rockies or traded to the Rockies, and he put up great numbers at Coors Field. So what what are your thoughts on that with specifically a guy like Todd Helton? Well, I, I think – are you going to go through and, and check the splits on every single player? Are you going to – are you going to downgrade a, a, a player uh, if he plays at Yankee Stadium and he hits a certain amount of home runs to right field? Are you going to subtract those? Are you going to take guys that play at, at uh, Citizens Bank Ballpark in Philadelphia and, and, and calculate every home run that they hit to left center that wouldn't be a home run in all the other parks and, and, and disqualify those? Or are you going to go to Baltimore and, and where it's 365 feet to the gaps and the fence is short and disqualify all those guys as home runs? Like that's such a you know to me that's that it's, a, it's such a bad excuse. I mean, all guys hit better at home. Uh, is Coors Field a great place to hit? Of course it is, but there's lots of great places to hit. Is there great places to pitch? Do they subtract pitchers' numbers on the great places to pitch? No, you can't just pick one field and say, oh, I, I can't vote for that guy. He was uh, you know he played half of his games at Coors Field, and uh, I just can't get behind that. So I think it's such a again a double standard. Vote for the numbers. Vote for the kind of player he was, where he ranked in the in the in, in the Major League Baseball All Star games. You know, those are the kind of things. What kind of impact did he have as a player? And I think that when you start trying to nitpick in what you what you think is important or not important, it's it, that's not. You know, you don't you didn't play at Coors Field. You don't know how what it's like. You didn't play in Boston and with the Green Monster that's 300 feet away. I mean, does Mo Vaughn get discounted because he, he hit a bunch of doubles off the left field wall? I mean, so it's like, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's frustrating, Dan, when you talk about it, that people pick and choose what they think is, uh, you know, is a variable that they just can't get behind.
Matt, I also wanted to ask you, because I, I used to be one of these guys that knew nothing, and I pretended like I knew something, and I looked at the Coors splits, and I was like, oh, well, that guy's not as good on the road as he is at home. As I've learned more about it, and I've read more about it, I've heard from players like you who have been there, I've also seemingly learned, and you can tell me your experience with this, it sounds like there is also some troubles when it comes to playing at Coors and the way the ball breaks compared to whenever you go on the road. Is there also some disadvantages that come into play whenever you play there and you have to go on the road afterwards, Matt? You know, I think that that's something that, that people don't talk about. There, There is an adjustment. I mean, I think that there's even science behind the fact that the ball doesn't spin as fast uh, at altitude and, and the breaking balls, like, as you say, maybe even the curveball is, is not quite as sharp. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I think there's an adjustment to a pitch, uh, maybe the breaking ball. But I, I think in general, I would say the, the more uh, taxing thing would be the recovery and the, and the proneness to, to, to have small injuries uh, at Coors Field. I remember a lot of times you'd come off the road and it would take you three or four days before your body felt really good again just from the recovery standpoint of, of, of altitude. Uh, you just felt kind of sore and and I think honestly when you, when you look at a guy like Troy Tulowitzki's career um where you know injuries and his leg injuries I think it had a lot to do with playing at altitude and and I think that uh that's something that that people don't really talk much about is is uh is kind of the aches and pains that you feel playing in, in Denver uh that you don't feel when you go to uh you know other places at sea level and so um, I, I think all those are factors, but again, like we didn't put the organization in Denver. You know, I, I think <laughs> when you put a team in Colorado, then there's going to be things that are different about Colorado than are different about everywhere else. Just like when you build a small ballpark in Baltimore, well, that's a smaller park than the rest of the parks. Or you build a huge park in San Francisco, well, then the numbers are going to be skewed towards the pitcher. So if it, everything's not the same, at every park, well, then you can't just kind of nitpick one or two parks that you want to, uh, you know, say, well, that, you know, there's an asterisk by the numbers at this park. Well, is anybody talking about the Giants pitchers numbers? No, I mean, but that's that's what the problem that I have with it. Matt Holliday is our guest on 101 ESPN. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, I'm curious, have you given it any thought to the Cardinals Hall of Fame? You're going to be close to coming up for nomination for that. I think you'll be wearing a red jacket one day. And have you given that any thought? You know, I think we talked about it last time I came on with you, um, Danny, and, and I, I think it's one of those things. Like, I, I think that would be incredible. I, I think when you, when you say the words Hall of Fame, first of all, of anything, any kind of Hall of Fame that you get a chance to be even considered for or mentioned about, uh, it's an honor. And I think then you tag, uh, you know, the greatest, if not, you know, one of the top two or three greatest baseball organizations in, in the world, um, and then they would consider you for their Hall of Fame as an even bigger honor. So, um, would that be uh, a tremendous uh, honor for me? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think it would be amazing and, and um, to be part of that group that wears red jackets and, and, and to even envision myself sort of, I, I feel old because I feel, when you talk about wearing those red jackets, because I feel like I still consider myself um, the guy that gets off the truck and gives high fives to the guys wearing red jackets. <laughs> but um Yes, to be considered for that and, and it occasionally uh, crosses my mind or, you know, when I get to come on with somebody like you guys and, and it's mentioned, uh, it, it's pretty cool to even be considered for it. So 
Uh, would that be an amazing day someday if, if that were to happen? Absolutely. Former Cardinals outfielder Matt Holliday joining us here on the Danny Mac show with BK. Matt, I did want to ask you about two guys that are probably going to join you in that Cardinals Hall of Fame someday with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, both still on the market. I, I don't know if anybody truly knows what's going to happen with them, but I did want to ask you from a purely inside of the locker room standpoint, inside of that clubhouse, what is the value that those guys bring to the Cardinals? What kind of leadership, what kind of intangibles do guys like Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina bring if they were to be back with the Cardinals going into next year? You know, it's, it's hard to put a, a price tag or, or even, a, you know, even a, an amount that goes into guys like Yadier and Adam. And having them been there you know, through world championships, uh, they've they've been there. Uh, they've seen great teams. They've seen teams fall short. Um, they've they're just. I, I guess you know. And two of my closest friends. I'm I'm obviously very biased, and 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 their value and what they bring to a team, and to a locker room, and to a you know just just helping young guys turn into to men and 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 off the field and and helping young guys learn what it takes to be a pro. Uh, they're they're unbelievable people. And and they still are playing at a very high level, which is amazing. Um, you know, they're they're obviously a little bit older, but you know, Adam was was you know with Jack, I think, have a little bit of a down season last year and, and a weird kind of year. Adam really was kind of carrying the staff and kind of that guy that you were leaning on when when things weren't going well and delivering. And, and Yachty, I think, is still amazing. He could catch every day. He's catching double headers and and doing things like that. So. Um, I, I think their value uh, in the clubhouse, as you asked me, is is off the charts. I mean, I think these guys are, are tremendous people. Uh, they know how to encourage guys. They know how to help young players. They know how to motivate older players. Um, I think that they represent everything St. Louis Cardinals fans and the organization are about. Uh, they represent, you know, the, the, the Cardinal way. I know some people get – you know, they, they kind of turn their nose up at, at, that, at that phrase. But there really is something to the expectations and what the, the, the old guard has passed on as far as how to play the game and, and, and how to win and, and things like that. And I think that they, they are still playing at a high level and representing uh, guys that they, you know, that they were passed it down to. So I think they're, they're extremely valuable, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that they end up back in St. Louis. Hey, Matt, you offer great perspective on this. I know you still talk to players all across the board in Major League Baseball. What do you think this time is like for them right now? I mean, we hear February 17th, report down to Jupiter, be ready to go. But still, it's kind of like, are we really going to do this? So as a player, are you getting fully ready or, or are you just kind of staying put and staying even keel before they officially hit the uh, the go button? Well, I, I think that might be a personality thing. For me, I would be just straight head down, uh, training hard, uh, getting ready for a long season, getting ready to to uh, to be healthy and, and try to you know prepare as much as I can physically to take on a, a full season. Um, and then if things change and they tell me otherwise, I'll adjust then. But I think uh, for me, that's the way I would approach it. Danny, I, I, I think most guys are probably in, you know approaching it as if – maybe a week or two later or, or something. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have privy to, to all the, the, I guess, scenarios sure. that could be playing out. But I, I think for me, I would just be getting my butt ready and, and ready to, to take on a championship season and excited about it and calling my teammates to make sure they're getting after it. And 
uh, that's the way I would look at it. So, um, like I said, I, I don't know what the what the possible scenarios might be, but you know, I, I think with the vaccine starting to to make its way, and, and even if they have to start spring training out um, kind of just in a bubble a little bit, where where there's no fans and just everybody's just kind of practicing and, and getting ready, um, I'm I'm hopeful. Matt, I wanted to ask you about this Cardinals team going into next year, just kind of in a big picture sense. As you look at it as a former player, a guy that still pays attention to this team, what are your expectations going into next year? Let's assume and hope that they bring back both Yachty and Wayno, but if you add them to the current club as constructed, what are your hopes and expectations for this team going into next season? Well, I'm I'm, I'm pretty bullish on this uh, Cardinals season coming up. I, I think that there's a lot of really good players that are still on the market that that's price tag and, and maybe even uh, the opportunity to get them on a, on a shorter term uh, might become available in some spots that I think you, you might feel a little bit more comfortable with. If you could bring in a guy here, or a guy there. Um, I, I think, he, like you said, getting Adam and Yachty's back is important. Um, I think these young pitchers are, are going to continue to get better. And, and I think the division is getting worse. And I think the Cardinals have an opportunity to really, kind of dominate the division this year, um, which would be good. And then, you know, obviously you're going to contend with a Dodgers team and a Padres team, you know, at the, at the sort of NLCS World Series, kind of that getting to those levels. Um, so that's going to be a challenge. But I, I think as far as the division go goes, I, I think there's going to be I, – I, look, when I think in my experience with Mo and Mr. DeWitt, um, that they're always looking for uh, – I think there might be some kind of uh, roster move or, or moves coming still that, that the fans will get excited about. And I, and I think that that's, um, you know, I think right now they're probably fans are probably a little frustrated with just the inactivity of, of a lot of teams. But I think there might be a, a fury of, of kind of moves coming from a lot of teams with all these players that are hanging out there that are going to have to take a probably a smaller deal than they wanted and, and maybe even a one-year deal. Uh, if you saw a guy like Marcus Simeon taking a one-year deal, I mean, that's a really, really good player taking a one-year deal. So I, I think you're going to see more of that. And I think that they, they are in – I think they're in good shape, especially in the NL Central. Matt, you know uh, Matt Carpenter so well. You guys are very, very close. Can he get back to where he was a couple of years ago? What do you think? You know, Danny, it's it's hard. I, I am always – you know, my friends are, are my friends and sometimes my view – uh, might be, like I said earlier, it might be skewed a little bit just because he's such a good friend of mine and I know his work ethic. Um, I, I thought last year, and it's hard to, to, to really judge anybody based on last year. I mean, it was just a, sure. a, such a weird season. But I, I thought going into last year that he was in a really good place and that, that he would have a, a bounce-back season. Um, I don't think it went as well as he had hoped. Uh, I thought his swing looked better just from – from my eyes watching the games on TV and, and I thought his mechanics looked a little bit tighter. Um, it's hard to say when, when different body types, uh, Danny, it's hard to say when guys swings slow down or their bodies can't show up every day quite as strong or as, um, I don't know. I think mm-hmm. it's still in there. I think it's still in there and what kind of role he has and, and, you know, whether the DH gets passed, passed for, for the National League again and, and what kind of role he might have, um, I think it's still in there. I thought his mechanics were better. Uh, I know he's getting older, but I, I, I follow him on Instagram, and we talk occasionally, and it looks like he's training hard, and he looks good physically. 
Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I hope he has a, a tremendous season because that's the kind of person and leader and, and Cardinal that he's been. So I'll say, uh, I don't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll be on the side of, uh, yeah, I think he's going to, he's going to have a good season. That's Matt Holliday, former Cardinals outfielder, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Matt, we sincerely appreciate the time, my man. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah, it's great to talk to you guys. And uh, anytime you guys you know, would like me to come on, I'd be happy to do it. You're the best. That's awesome. Matt Thanks, Holliday. Man. All right, guys. Take I care. I love that guy. I, I, got, I got certain guys, BK, they're my guys, right? Dan, He's do you one think, of my guys. Do you think he I would just, ever... I always pulled for him when he was playing. I pull for him now. Do you think he would ever go in the booth with you? Yes. I, yes, I, I think do. After hearing him there, I I feel like he's even more comfortable now doing stuff like this than he was whenever he first retired from baseball. Uh, he sounds like a guy that would be fantastic doing games with you. Do you remember you asked me yesterday, who are the guys that, you know, when they were playing, they were kind of locked in and they weren't as open and honest and, you know, maybe gregarious about opinions in the game or whatever the case may be. And I said, oh, we're going to have one on tomorrow. Just wait. Well, you got a little taste of it. Um, he's he's got a a young family, but his a couple of his boys are just incredible baseball players, and I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if I'm saying, "Hey, here's a holiday coming up in the major leagues," and I'm serious about that. He's got one kid that's just ridiculous. So uh, I know he wants to spend a lot of time with them. He's spending time at Oklahoma State working mm-hmm. with their baseball program, but. Uh, I do think at some point that the booth is something that he would look at, and I think he'd enjoy it, and I think fans would love it too. He's he's still so connected, obviously, with all these players and with Major League Baseball and follows the sport, so it would be a great thing. I, I'd love it. What's he know? What's he know that we don't know, Dan? Because you heard him there at the end whenever you whenever I asked him about this Cardinals baseball team, he said, you know, if, if I know the DeWitts and if I know Mo. I think there's some moves out there that would still get Cardinals fans excited. He he doesn't just say that. There, there's something behind those words. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and read the breadcrumbs a little bit. I know he's close with some players across baseball. I know he previously played for the Rockies. Oh, here we go. I'm just saying. Here you know, we go. Hey, I'm, it, it sounded to me like Matt Holiday might know a little <laughs> something more than what I know currently. And it. If I am reading the room correctly, yeah, I think the moves that he's referencing maybe would get Cardinals fans pretty excited if it were to still be possible. So you're talking about the former backup catcher, Tony Walters <laughs> of the Colorado Rockies. Yep, yep, that's that's exactly what I was referencing. <laughs> maybe they make a trade uh, for David Dahl. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll, but I agree with you. I, I've been saying it from day one. Patience, right? I mean, in, and I know fans don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to say it, BK. I want to say, go out and get this guy. You know, you need to go get that player. Or you need to go get player X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You have some holes to fill offensively. It's clear. They've got. Signing in spring training many years ago that the Cardinals got him late in spring training. And he became a major factor on that team. And for years to come. That could happen again this year, so we'll have to wait and see. I know we're late to a break. It was awesome having Matt Holiday on. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. We 
Brandon Kylie. It's the Danny Mac Show with BK here on 101 ESPN. If you missed any of our conversation with Matt Holiday, highly recommend checking that out on the podcast page after the show. 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. It's presented by I Promise. Dan, I wanted to ask you about the movement that we're finally seeing in yes. baseball. JT Realmuto signs a five-year, $115 million deal with Philly. There was also some movement for infielders yesterday. What'd you make of it? And what could this potentially mean for the Cardinals? Well, I, I think at least the Cardinals check back in with Wong. Now, his marketplace, I think we're starting to see get established a little bit. Andleton Simmons got the one-year deal. Freddie Galvis going to Baltimore. Marcus Simeon going to Toronto. I, I, by the way, who's going to play second base or shortstop for the Oakland A's? Do they have any money? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. But they, they got Colton La marketplace. yesterday. I think they signed yeah. La Stella yesterday, right? Yes, and and so you're starting to get some of that movement. So I think, you know, now you get a better idea of what's going to happen here with Colton Wong. In terms of the Yachty market, I think with Real Muto, now, as we talked about yesterday, you know, for many teams, it was, hey, he's our guy. That's number one. He's he's A. And now you look at B, C, and D, and that takes you to Yachty or Molina. And I, I was just doing some looking at who's out there, like catchers that are out there. By my account, and I know you, BK, you're, you're diving in here like an encyclopedia, so I love it. I love working with you. It's great. But Tony Walters, the aforementioned Tony Walters, by the way, is the only catcher I found that's under 30 years old that would be out there that would have a name value that you've, you've, you've heard of before in the catching market. It was 36. Uh, Jeff Mathis, 38. Tyler Flowers, I would, you know, he's an interesting guy, 35. Josh Fegley is 33. Rene Rivera, 37. Matt Wieters, we know him, 35. So, I mean, you're getting my my drift here is that I think the next domino to fall in that catching market would certainly be Yadier Molina. Now, he probably wants what Brian McCann got, which is around $10 million a year. Maybe a better comp would be Castro, who's around 6 to $7 million a year. And so now that, that you have a little idea of what the marketplace is bearing the question becomes, what is legacy, I think, for the St. Louis Cardinals? What's that worth? Yeah, and I I think it's got to be worth something. Now, is it going to be worth as much as Yadier Molina wants it to be? Maybe not. I, I wonder, because you, you mentioned Castro, and, and then you talk about what, what McCann got. Can they split the difference? Because That's if, what I'm if, saying, yes. If you can give him guaranteed what Castro is is around, and you can get him up to where McCann is with incentives, like, hey, if Yadier Molina has a Yadier Molina type of season, if you play 100-plus games this year and the Cardinals get to the playoffs, team incentives, those sorts of things, if you can have all of that, then I think you can make this work. Is it what Yadier Molina would ideally like? Maybe not, but I don't think that what he ideally wants is out there for him on, on the market right now. Yeah, and you you hit it on the head. I, I think what you're looking at, and Castro has got the comps that when you look at it in an analytical point of view of age, what the projections are, and there's a lot of projections, as you know, of what people will look at and say, well, 2021 could look like this for player X. So you kind of have that idea. And if Yachty wants to be paid because he is a better player, in my opinion, than McCann, and his camp, I'm sure, is saying that, he's around $10 million a year. So I, I'm with you. I think maybe then it becomes, okay, here's a pretty nice base to split the difference. And with games played or whatever the the idea would be to up the ante in the contract to make more money, 
maybe that's the direction you go. And if you hit those incentives, then year two kicks in and all of a sudden, voila, and it's easy for me to say that sitting here, you've got your two-year deal. But I think that's something that maybe now you have a base to go off of. And remember, you know, Bill DeWitt Jr. told me they have offered both Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright uh, those offers are on the table, so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and it just seems to me like his his market is dwindling now. You're starting to see the teams, or not even starting, you have now officially seen that most of the teams that were at some point connected to Yachty, they have an answer at catcher for them now. And so I, I think it just it makes all the sense in the world to me that he ends up coming back here to St. Louis as long as he's willing to accept the offer that they're willing to give. I wanted to ask you, Dan, about the outfield market because – that is also starting to thin out a little bit right now. A little bit. The guys that are still available that could maybe make some sense for the Cardinals, Eddie Rosario still out there. Jock Peterson, we've talked about all along. Josh Reddick is a guy that we haven't talked a lot about, but maybe he could fit into the mix. Adam Duvall, Yasiel Puig, Nomar Mazzara. Are those guys outside of Rosario and Peterson big enough upgrades, in your opinion, for them to add them into the mix in what is already a crowded outfield? It's already a crowded outfield. I think Matt Holiday said it best, and I know fans may not want to hear this, and I've been saying it too, and John Mozalock has said this too, and others around baseball, it's not just here in St. Louis, have said it. BK, I think the question becomes, and, and you're right, those are names that would, I think, help your offense. I mean, I love Jock Peterson against right-handed pitching. Who wouldn't? Everybody would love him. Uh, Rosario has been a very solid player. Um, it helps your offense. I mean, you're getting a known as opposed to maybe some of the unknowns that you have coming back. But can you realistically judge these players on the 60 games? Like, I, for instance, I want to see Lane Thomas. Now, if he falls flat, then he falls flat. I've seen it. I can move on. And I think Mo even, you know, talked about it in the conversation with me. You, you, you're almost gun shy to trade some of these guys because you don't need to have another Randy or Rosarena on your hands. I get that, too, from his perspective. So do you throw out the 60 games or do you say, eh, that's not really a true barometer of where these players are? I, I, I tend to think that. So you have these guys coming back and you've got to find out and then cut bait one way or another. And, th- and that's really honestly the way I look at it. I think the guy that determines what they want to do, and I'd be curious your thoughts on this, Dan, is Justin Williams because he's the lefty bat. He's the if, guy. If you believe that Justin Williams is an answer to the issues that you have as a lefty bat going up against right-handed pitching, which is 70% of the pitchers that you see <clears throat> in any given season, if you think he can be that, then you don't need to sign somebody like Reddick or Duvall or Puig or Mazzara because you've already got something similar to that in-house for even cheaper than they would be. Now, I think and the other a- thing, too, is when you look at him analytically, when he makes contact, now that's if and when, granted, but when he does, the ball jumps off his bat, and that's appealing. That's baseball in 2021. What kind of exit velocity are you getting? What kind of launch angle are you getting? And whether fans want to hear that or not, that's part of the game today. And that's Justin Williams. The other factor with this, too, I should throw in, is that he's he's out of options by my count. Now, there's a technicality there, kind of a weird technicality, but I believe he is out of options. So that, again, BK is something they got to figure out with him if he does fall into the mix for the Cardinals, which is I think we're going to find out in spring training. He did not have a good spring training last year, and he was only so-so in summer camp. So it's time to find out about him, too. Yeah, and I think the guys that would be in a different conversation, if you can sign Rosario and Peterson to a deal that makes sense for the Cardinals, those guys are clear upgrades, and and you make those deals, in my opinion. 
The rest of these players that I'm talking about, though, they're not game changing for them. Josh Reddick, Duvall, Puig, Mazar, they're fine. They can help you. They're they're good lefty bats to have as platoon players. I got no issues with the Cardinals going out and signing them. I think it makes them a little bit better. But the upside for Justin Williams is probably, frankly, even higher than a lot of those guys that you would be signing on the open market. So I think it really does come down to the evaluation. We say that word so often with the Cardinals lately. It comes to the evaluation of what they believe Justin Williams not will be in the future, but is right now for them because they've got to get production against right-handed pitchers from their outfield. I know you're going to talk a lot of blues hockey coming up. Apparently, your partner for the next three hours does want to hand the Hart Trophy over to Jordan Cairo. That's not a shock. Is he, it? he did not tell me that. I have not heard oh. that. However, I do think it is fair to stop talking about Jordan Cairo as a potential piece for the blues and to start talking about what he actually is right now because that that kid has completely changed my belief in him. Oh. He has been the Honestly, the best young player on the team right now is Jordan Cairo, and that's not something I expected to say. We'll get into that today. We'll get into the effort that we saw from the Blues last night. Wasn't the cleanest game, but if we're talking about effort, which we've talked about too much this season, that was the effort that we're all looking for. Plenty more on the Blues, including what Justin Falk showed us last night. And we'll talk to Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, coming up at 1.30. Got to tell you about Saliga, 36 months, no interest financing on any new furnace, 72 months, no interest financing on all new systems, and they have American Standard rebates and Amron rebates. Saliga Heating and Cooling, the air quality expert, a special going on right now, just mention my name. You'll receive duct cleaning, air scrubber, humidifier, blower wheel cleaning. The number at Saliga, 314-481-7333, 314-481-7333. Visit Saliga Heating and Cooling. Com. By the way, I, I got to, as we wrap it up here, uh, BK, I got a text from Matt Holiday. I have listened to the podcast. They have one up with uh, Mike Schilt. Uh, Matt is doing a podcast uh, with a lot of big name players and a lot of big name people in the game of baseball. So wherever you get your selected podcast, just search for the Matt Holiday podcast and it's there uh, with the great Mike Schilt. So make sure you do that. Hey, my man, always great to be with you. Looking forward to the show coming up the next three hours here on 101 ESPN. Dan, this was a blast. We'll talk with you again tomorrow, my man. You got it. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.